Do you know, I had intended, I didn't show the pictures after I asked Griff to pull them up, did I? Did I show pictures? There you go. Uh, these are pictures of downstairs. I had intended to do this and got distracted by all the baby dedication and everything else. Uh, they've already gutted uh, the, the rooms downstairs, so since I asked you not to go down, I thought I'd show you some pictures. This was the children's room. Um, it's been cleared out, as you can tell. Rob and his team have already started framing the walls, and so a lot of work is going to happen fast because we're trying to flip this whole thing in six weeks, right, Rob? Thank you, Jesus. We are really giving it our best shot. Oh, by the way, we still need money. Uh, so you are so free to give to this project because we still need resources. As with every uh, renovation project, as soon as you start, it seems like things happen and the price goes up. So please, uh, it's going to be wonderful when everything's finished. Basically, the whole downstairs of both buildings is going to be completely redone, flooring, everything. And if we have enough resources, the fellowship hall will also, flooring will be uh, redone. So please give generously as God puts it on your heart. We're in the third week of a study uh, concerning the Apostles' Creed, entitled, I Believe. And for those of you who might have missed the first week or two, uh, let me give you a couple of reminders. The Apostles' Creed dates back, as far as we can tell, it dates back to uh, the first century. We, we see evidence of it uh, in writings of the second century for sure. Some of the earliest compositions have to do around 215 um, um, A.D. Uh, there's, there's some writings in which it's indicated. And, and here's my point. The Apostles' Creed predates the formation of the formal church. By formal, I mean what we refer to as the Catholic church. Um, and, and so it, it's at least 100 years, probably 200 years before the Catholic church was even established, the creed was around. So don't see the creed as a Catholic thing. That's what I'm trying to, to get all us Baptists from way back when, who, uh, you know, there was, there, there were the chosen ones, then there are pagans, and then right above the pagans were the Catholics. Uh, you know, you think I'm kidding. And, you know, the papists, huh? I mean, we even had Don't see that. This is not what I'm preaching. I'm not preaching a Catholic, so to speak, doctrine. Even though it says in the creed, the Holy Catholic Church, it doesn't mean Catholic is in the formal Catholic Church. It means the word Catholic means universal. We believe in the universal church, that we here are not the only church, that the church is all of those who are called out. So the creed predates the formation of what we know as the Catholic church. Also, I'm not technically preaching the creed. Even though I'm going through the creed, I'm preaching the Bible. See, the creed only draws whatever authority it might have from the Word of God. And so what I'm doing is I'm preaching the biblical truths that are contained in this creed that we, we talk about. We want it, we want this creed to help, um, and I did the ABCD thing the very first week, it assists us, A, in spiritual formations. It helps, gives us, gives us a foundation because it goes through various essential doctrines of the church. 
The B was it brings balance in our lives. Anyone is in danger of focusing so much on one truth of the Bible that they neglect the others and fall out of balance. Uh, I think I use the illustration that, that, you know, I've known people who focused on the end times so much that that's all they could talk about. It was like Revelation was the only book in the Bible. Or, or today we're going to talk about creation. There are people who are creationists who this is all they can focus on. Uh, uh, go through any of the doctrines of the church. I'm just naming those two because we've talked about them recently. The, the creed, if you look at it, it brings balance. It talks about all of these things. And it helps us stay focused on all to bring balance. Uh, so assists, it brings balance. It creates the desire for community, see. Creates the desire for community. We are a universal church. We are the body of Christ. When we say the creed together, it creates a unity and it helps direct our steps. If we believe the things that we're saying, then it will help guide us. And we'll talk about how this grid, I'm trying to put this grid over every one of the truths that we're talking about over this 16-week period. Uh, assisting in spiritual formations. Why is it critical? A foundation. Why is it why is it important for balance in our life? How does it help create community for us? How does it help direct our steps? So today we're going to talk about God the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. Creator of heaven and earth. So last week, Gabe did a great job. Gabriel did a great job of talking about God the Father Almighty. And here's the truths that I think Gabriel was trying to communicate to us, and he did it in a really did it really well. If you didn't get a chance to listen to it, I encourage you to go watch the live stream or listen to the, the tape. But my takeaway was this. We believe in a God who is infinitely powerful. God is infinite, almighty, and yet intensely personal Father. God the Father, the personal, almighty, powerful. If you want to really see how these two things blend, when Jesus is asked, teach us how to pray, he teaches the Lord's Prayer. And look at the blending of the personal and the powerful in the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, personal, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Powerful. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Powerful coming to personal. Personal, give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Personal, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Powerful. We believe in a God who is infinitely powerful and yet remarkably, remarkably intensely personal. The questions that arise from that statement are these. When you say that, I want to ask you, do you believe in a God who is all-powerful? And at the same time, do you believe in a God who really is good? Do you believe in an all-powerful God who is really good to you? To make it personal, I believe it's easy to believe in a powerful God. 
It's easy to believe at times in a God who is good. But to combine the personal and the powerful into your life and say, I believe in a God who loves me and is at work in my life, for some of us, is very, very difficult. Today, we want to look at the statement, creator of heaven and earth. Creator of heaven and earth. But before we do, I would like for us to stand together and uh, recite the creed. Uh, as, a, as the body of Christ, to join with believers who down through the centuries and who even today have said this together. So say it with me. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. On the third day, he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven, and he is seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From there, he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of the saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and life everlasting. Amen. Lord, bless us as we study your word together. Holy Spirit, uncover for us the truths of your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. Be seated. I don't know if you noticed in the last song that Craig and the worship team sang this morning, which we're going to do again at the end of the service, but there's a section, you okay? <laughs> there's a section, scared me. <laughs> uh, there's a section where it talked about 8 million faces. Do you know we're approaching a population of 8 million on this planet? 7 billion. Thank you. I was going to just see it if you're listening. <laughs> I told you I got scared. I got thrown off down here. <clears throat> 7.6 billion people are reportedly alive on this planet at this time. This vast sea of humanity, and I, I can't even get my mind around a billion people, much less almost 8 billion. How did we get here? One of the philosophical, scientific, humanitarian, even this week I see these reports of anthropology and there's this fascination on how we got to who we are and in this vast array spread out throughout the entire globe. I believe in God the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. The book of Genesis speaks of our beginnings. For some people, the book of Genesis is merely inspired mythological poetry. Moses, the author of Genesis, really, the writer, uh, though it had been passed down for hundreds of years, the story of creation, he's the one who put it down. Some say that he was just trying to give the nation of Israel an identity by creating uh, a creation account. And in a poetic sense, he writes it. But for others of us, there is a, there's a foundation that's essential in the book of Genesis. 
in the creation story. The book starts with the, some of the most famous words in all of literature in the world, in the beginning, God. In the Hebrew, it, this phrase can be translated into just two words, Bereshef Elohim, beginning, God. There's a word in between the two. That's why the dots, beginning, created, God, which is what it would say in the Hebrew. But the, the idea is this. They, they show us that God is before the beginning. He, he predates the beginning of whatever there is. It also speaks to us that the Bible is given to us by God. And I think this is important. It speaks to us that God doesn't conform to our desires, but rather, he's the one who forms us. Also, it should say to us, God cannot be boxed in. We can't put God in our little format, because if we believe in an infinitely powerful God, then it's a, he's a God that we can't limit. That's what the term infinitely powerful means, without limits. In Genesis chapters 1 and 2, we read about the creation of the universe, discover that man is the crown of God's creation. I just want to read to you the creation of man account from Genesis 1. So this is Genesis 1, verses 26 through 31, if you want to follow along in your Bible, or you can follow along on the screen. Then God said, let us make man in our image, in our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air, over the livestock, over all the earth, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number, eight billion, billion. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Then God said, I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth and every tree that has fruit with seed in it, they will be yours for food. And to all the beasts of the earth and all the birds of the air and all the creatures that move on the ground, everything that has the breath of life in it, I give every green plant for food. And so it was. God saw all that he had made, and it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. I could preach an entire series, and maybe we'll come back to it someday in the future, to talk about creation and all the implications of the creation story. Let me, let me say a couple of things about the story, the, the account that, that, that's given here. When God speaks to man, he says, let us make man. This is much more personal than the previous. In the previous days, he said, let there be. Let there be light, and there was light. But when he comes to man, he said, let us make man. Uh, there, there's this 
The, the concept of the Trinity is woven all throughout the creation story. We'll see in a minute that the, the, the Spirit of God hovers over the deep. We'll see that the breath of God, the Spirit of God, was breathed into the breath into man. In Colossians, it says that Jesus is the one who is the one who is used to, to create. So when God the Father says, let us, he, he, there's a, you see in the relationship of the Trinity this personal aspect of there's something special about the creation of man. Everything else was created according to its own kind. But man was made in the image and likeness of God. Imagio or Imagio, however you want to say it, Imagio Dei, image of God, created in the image of God. The creation of man is specified as male and female. This is the first time gender differences are, are specified. Finally, man alone is given dominion. He's given a, a mandate to take care of. <clears throat> dominion is, is a word that is a little tricky dominate. We think of it as oppressive, but I believe that what's given in the creation account of dominion is the management, the, the care, the, the overseeing of everything. In other words, rather than robbing nature of everything we can suck out of it, I believe what God is saying is, take care, this is yours, take care of it. You, you're over this. So let's talk about how this matters to us with this foundation hopefully in mind. Let me just give you some points of why I believe this, this is important. To know God as creator, to know God as creator is first to discover your purpose. Discover our purpose. You, you're, you'd be, you might be saying, how is creation helping me discover my purpose? I'm just here. How does it help me discover my purpose? If in the creation account, God is giving us some directives about what man is to be like, then I believe it helps all of us, men and women, humanity, to know who we are. In other words, if Adam and Eve and Adam and Eve's descendants are given the task of managing the earth, then there's one purpose for us. We're to manage the resources that God puts in our care. We're to be good stewards of everything. We have a purpose that can be seen in that when Adam and Eve were created, they had fellowship with God. They walked with him in the garden, at least until they sinned. I don't have time to talk about the whole fall of man in this, but in the created order, we're, we're given management of the resources around us, and at the same time, we're to have an intimate fellowship with the one, one who made us. I mean, we could go down the line and just talk about how we are created in the image of God, which means we have characteristics that are given to us specifically by God. God is a creator, therefore, we're to be creative. We're, God is in relationship. Let us make man. We're to be in relationship. There, there's purpose found in knowing that God is our creator. On the other hand, could it be that much of our planet is, is fumbling around depressed, 
purposeless? Because we've reached a place where we've denied that there is a creator. Without a creator, do we really... Now you're left to discover your own purpose. Rather than having a purposeful existence. There's a philosopher of the 18th century by the name of Arthur Schopenhauer. Excuse me, 19th century. Arthur Schopenhauer. And he was a pessimist always depressed, trying to dis discover his purpose. And so he would dress up in these uh, raggedy clothes and he'd wander around Berlin and he'd spend all day in parks just sitting there contemplating the meaning of life. And, and so one day he's sitting in a park and a police officer comes up to him dressed in his raggedy clothes and the police officer says to him, hey, who do you think you are? And Schopenhauer replies, I wish to God I knew. It's that hopeless nature of man. I wish to God I knew who I was. We've lost our purpose, many of us, because we've accepted the method of the day that all of this happened by accident. And if all of this happened by accident, then I'm just an accident. It's just chance in time and giving things enough space over billions and billions of years that I just came to here and now I'm just here. What, am, what the heck am I doing here? God's purpose is for us to know him and to help others to know him. And to do that, we believe that God is the creator God. He's the one who, who made us. John 17, 3 says, now this is eternal life. Well, I thought eternal life was heaven. Going to heaven and streets of gold and mansion over the hilltop and all of that. He's, Jesus said, this is, this is what eternal life is about. Going back to our original purpose that you may know, they may know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. Back to relationship with him. That's, that's God's real purpose in life. Matthew 28, Jesus tells his disciples, go and make disciples of all nations. Why? Bringing them back to their ultimate intention. You should read Devern Fromke's book by that title, Ultimate Intention. It's bringing us back to what God made and intended for us to have that we lost when we sinned. I, I believe the creation account shouldn't be any more focused on than any of these other truths. But it, it is critical. Michael Behe wrote a book. He's a microbiologist. He wrote a book called Darwin's Black Box. And it's an interesting read. Uh, Behe is not necessarily a a Christian, but he believes in intelligent design, that all of this couldn't have happened by accident. And he speaks of this uh, truth that he calls irreducible complexity. Irreducible complexity. In, in other words, some things are so complex that if you just take one thing out of the equation, the whole thing falls apart. And he talks about, he, he talks about this as being Darwin's black box that once this lid is opened, then, then it really uncovers the, the, 
the problem with the whole theory of evolution, which is that things just kind of happened over time. Well, they couldn't have happened over time according to Behe because if this one thing wasn't present, the whole thing would... And he uses the example of the eye. The eye. There's some things in the eye that if they're removed, it's so complex that you can't reduce it down, which is the whole idea, if you think about it, of evolution on a macro scale, going from nothing to something, is that everything just kind of happened gradually over time. It, it's a whole book. I'm not doing a great job of describing it, I don't think. But he, he, he talks about these small things that, if taken out, it makes the whole thing fall apart. I, I believe that's what happens in creation. If you remove creation from the Bible, from the gospel, the whole, the whole thing falls apart. The whole story of the gospel falls apart. In other words, we the message of the gospel is this. There is an infinitely powerful God who made us. He made us in his image. Those to me are irreducible complexities. And a third one is this. God made an original man and woman who fell into sin. To me, to remove any of those parts of the story, the truth, the whole gospel falls apart. In other words, you may say, well, I'm not sure there was an original Adam and Eve. Okay, then the gospel falls apart because Paul says that through one man, sin entered the world. Through one man, forgiveness came. The gospel truth, as Paul presents it in the book of Romans, begins to disintegrate. Now, in that, I, I think there are a lot of things we could discuss, and for them, I'm, I'm just being upfront with you, there are a lot of things we could discuss and, and that, that are debatable. I just don't know. I have to be honest. In other words, is it seven 24-hour days? Literally, seven 24-hour days? Is the world a young earth? or a middle-aged earth, or an old earth, or, listen, I, I believe you can have faith in different parts. Is, is a day an age or an hour? I, I believe there are differences we can have in that discussion. Now, let me just say this. There are people who believe there are not differences we can have in that discussion. Do you understand? There are people who, who hold firmly, and that's fine. That's their conviction. I'm just saying there, there are some things I think we can discuss. Like, is it seven years in the tribulation? Or is it, and is Jesus, is, 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 the, is he coming before, during, after, both? Is, is, when's the millennium? You know, there, there are things we don't know. I think there are things we don't know about creation, but that, that's me. I, I'm, I have my belief. But I think there are discussions we can have and still be followers of Jesus Christ and the gospel still be proclaimed. Some of you are more uncomfortable with me than, than I think right now. But there are parts of this you can't take out. You can't take out the truth that God created. You can't take out the truth that God created man in his image. You can't take out the truth that there was an original man and woman. We can discuss some of the other stuff. 
But those things to me are irreducible. For you, some other parts may be irreducible, and that's, that, that's fine as well. Here's what E.J. Young says. He says, if he, meaning God, is only a little bigger than we are, if he is only a big brother and nothing more, if he is only a part of the whole, then we are all in it together, God, you, and I. And then there are no standards. There is no absolute. It is every man for himself. And all modern philosophies and ideas that are being spread in our days, new morality, new theology, and so on, are all perfectly admissible if God is only a part of the world process. Do you understand what he's saying? If God is not an infinitely powerful God, if he's only a little more powerful than me and you, and if he's engaged, if he's being processed as we're being processed, then this thing is not working. goes on and say, if it is so, it does not matter whether he is dead or alive. The, ba the Bible does not so speak. It tells us that God has created all things. That is why there is meaning in life and why there are absolute standards that do not change. God tells us what is right and what is wrong, and that is why there is meaning in life. That is why you and I who believe in this God can very well say that our chief reason for existence is to glorify him and enjoy him forever. I know I'm hammering. This is going to be the longest of the four points, and, and here's why. Because without a creator God, you are purposeless. I mean, you can just make up your own purpose. You know, going to church, being a part of a church, that's fine. Following moral standards, fine. I mean, you're, discover you're creating your own purpose if there is no creator God. But if there is God the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth, then your purpose has been determined. He has given you purpose. You stand on something much more solid than this vapor of the philosophy of the day. You have meaning. Not only do you have meaning, but you've got, you've got power to live out this purpose. He not only gives you purpose, but in the creation account, we see that he gives us the power to do it. Um, I'll just move very quickly through this because we're going to discuss these two elements in the days ahead. But in Genesis 1-2, he said, Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. The word hovering could also mean moving. In other words, the Spirit of God, as is pictured here, he is active in the creative process, in the creation process. The person the person of the Holy Spirit helped create what is known. And we believe that there is a person who is the Holy Spirit. He's not an inhabitant. Spirit doesn't mean just, you know, cloudy, smoky substance. Spirit. Ah, spirit. Kind of thing. There, there is a person of the Holy Spirit. And, and, and in Acts, it says that that spirit came upon those who are followers of Jesus Christ. But you will receive power when? When the Holy Spirit comes upon you. The same Holy Spirit that was active in the creation process is now active in you. Infinitely powerful, intensely personal. Puts his presence within you. In other words, God gives us purpose. 
because he's the one who created. But then he says, you're not going to live this purpose on your own. I'm going to put my presence within you in order to accomplish this purpose. In the creation process, we see that the Lord formed the man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. Breath here is the Hebrew word ruach. Ruach also means spirit. In other words, God breathed into the original man and woman the the breath, his spirit, his life. When we talk about inspiration, inspirare, we're talking about the intake, breath, the spirit of God coming in us. And in a spiritual sense, that's what happens when we get saved and the Holy Spirit comes into us. The power of God, the breath of God fills our spiritual lungs and enables us to discover and live out our purpose. I believe the creation, redemption story, the filling of the spirit, it all goes into making us purposeful. I, I don't want to keep hammering this, but I really do. Don't, if, if a person denies that there is a God and denies that you know, anything can happen, I just believe, and then they seem depressed, purposeless, you're not going to help them by trying to help them discover a purpose. I mean, really, ultimately. You're, you're, you're not going to really get them out of their depression and purposelessness because, oh, let me help you discover a purpose. Now, it may help at some level, but ultimate purpose is found in the truth of faith that there is a God who made us and loves us and redeems us. If you want to help them discover and break out, lead them back to the truth that God created them for a purpose. God redeemed them for a purpose, and God empowers them to accomplish this purpose. Not only is there the Spirit of God, but God said, let there be light. The Word of God, you know, we, we emphasize this. I hope I'm not stretching these truths too far, but we, we believe these truths, that it is fully embracing the Spirit of God, the breath of God, and the Word of God that allows us to accomplish what God has for us. God spoke it, and it was so. Now, I know there are different words for word in the Bible, but at the same time, I do think there's this all-encompassing truth that, that Jesus says, man doesn't live on bread alone, but by every word that comes out of the mouth of God. There's a word. There's the Word of God. There's the Word of God. There's the Word of God. The Word of God gives us power. Jesus is the Word made flesh, made His dwelling among us. The God, we'll talk about Jesus more next week uh, because that's the next line of the Apostles' Creed. But understand this. It's fully embracing the Spirit of God and the Word of God, written, spoken, Word of God, person, Word of God that gives us purpose in life. Third, and i got two more points to cruise on through, there's a desire to progress, move forward. God saw all that he had made, and it was very good. Notice that, you know, I think God could have just, if I believe in an infinitely powerful God, I believe in a God who could have said, let there be everything. 
and there was everything. Right? I mean, if he's that powerful, if he's infinitely powerful as I've been proclaiming, why would he even take six days? He could have done it in an instant. I, I believe there's, there's part of the creation story that, that the creation truth that gives us understanding of who we are. In other words, we're involved in a process. I get saved, and I'm declared the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. How many of you this morning think, man, I am so righteous? <laughs> you know, really? I mean, you all come and say, I'm a righteous man. Righteous woman. I've done nothing wrong. No, you're still in process. Now, God sees you in one light, but he calls you to progress in this righteousness truth. What does the devil do to you? He beats you up. You are horrible. You think you're so righteous. You think, how many went to the parenting seminar yesterday? How many came beat up like, I am a horrible parent? <laughs> Every time I go to a parenting seminar, that's what I felt like. And Kathy, moms feel even worse. They feel terrible. I am a total failure at this. I'm a total failure. Why? Because we see the instant, the moment, rather than the process. You know, I just took, uh, I'll try not to cry, I just took my youngest daughter to college last week. It was tough. It was a tough day. But I'm like, wow, this process, it's, I think she's going to make it. I think they're going to, I called her this week, I said, hey, congrats, one week down, 119 more to go. Keep going, girl. You're going to make it. They're about 120 weeks of college life, in case you didn't know. I figured that out this week in the math. Because I'm paying for all of them. <laughs> Hallelujah. It's a process. What happens if something goes short-circuited on the process? Well, get back on track. I read this week about a mom in Sweden who... Um, had two little boys, and she went in to get their names tattooed, intertwined in her arm. Uh, it happened in May of this year. And she got home, and they had, rather than Kevin, they had misspelled one of her boys' names on the tattoo as Kelvin. <laughs> what are you to do? You're a mom. What do you do? She went down and legally had her son's name changed to Kelvin. <laughs> I'm not getting this redone, so uh, you're now Kelvin. <laughs> Crack me up. Now, we do that too often in the process. Yeah, I got off track. All right, this is my new track. No, get back on track. Get back on track with the Lord and understand that it's a, it's a process. It's not an arrival until we're all in heaven. Uh, okay. That was a good point, though. Rest in his peace. God worked six days, and on the seventh, he did what? He rested. Hey, this is good. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to rest. Now, did God need to rest? If we believe in an infinitely powerful God, I don't think he needed it. I think, again, there's parts of this that are demonstrating for us the process of life. We need to rest. We need refreshing you know, people who get burned out, they're the ones who don't take time to refresh. And then they, they're like, I'm working so hard. 
I'm doing everything I, I'm supposed to do. We, uh, Kathy and I went and saw this movie yesterday. Um, um, Richard Parker recommended it. I don't recommend movies, but Richard recommended this one on uh, Christopher Robin, the Winnie the Pooh movie. You know, the story is the dad is just going, going, going. He thinks he's doing it for his family. He thinks he's doing it for, because he's got to. He's got he's to achieve his dream. Too many of us have that same driving mentality. Some of us even spiritualize it. Oh, i got to work hard for the Lord. The Lord rested one day, and he calls for us to weave that process into our lives. I want to encourage you to rest, refresh. You know, one of the things that it, it does to us when we take a day, it says in our spirit, you are not indispensable. And by the way, indispensability is just another word for pride. I am so indispensable. They're not going to get along without me. You're just prideful. Rest says, you know what? The world's going to keep going. As I sit here and rest and read, it'll help make you more productive if you'll weave rest into your life. Rest in his peace. It's in the creation story, I believe, for us. And We'll talk about this more in the future. I'm going to skip this really, but this story, this account, it has to be personal. We receive it as personal. This is not, this is not just a creation story for how everybody got here. This is a creation story for how I got here and how I'm going to move. How am I going to move forward? Well, I'm going to receive it. God wants relationship with me. God wants us to be in relationship with each other. God has put his word and his spirit in each of us to develop and to to connect with him and with one another. I mean, there are many things about the creation story that are still true. Man was created. Still, we still are. Created male and female. I'm going to go with we still are. It's a battle out there right now, but we're created male and female, created body, soul, and spirit. He created us with his presence, his breath in our, in our lives. He created us to manage the earth, still supposed to. He created us holy, and the problem is we're still not, apart from what Christ did within us. Augustine said this, man, God created man with the ability not to sin, but now man only has the ability not to not sin. In other words, we can't stop sinning. We need something. We need someone. We need a savior. We need a redeemer to bring us back to God's purpose for our life. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth, and in his Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. We'll pick it up there next week as we discover how we come back to his purpose for our lives. If I could have the worship team join me, I... I I want to sing again the song that was introduced to many of you earlier. And it's a song 
that weaves to me the creation and the gospel stories together because they are together. And it weaves it in a way that says this is not just for the world, which it is, but it is for us. His creative creation story is at work in my heart and my life as, as God leads and God directs. We're going to close our service by singing this song. I'm going to speak a benediction over you. Then, after I'm done, we'll have some worship teams. Maybe you're here today and you don't know Christ as the one who leads your life and forgives your sins, and you'd like somebody to pray for you. Maybe you've lost your purpose, and you've lost it because you're thinking, i got to find my purpose, and God is saying, no, 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 find me. Find me, and I'll help you discover who you are in him, and you want to be back in that relationship. We'll have teams after we sing this song together because I really do want us to worship through the singing of this song. And then I'll speak at benediction, and then you can receive prayer. We'll have ministry teams here at the front and on the sides who will pray for you as the rest are dismissed. But let's stand right now and just worship him. Let's declare he is the creator. He is the redeemer. He is the giver of life. God of creation, there at the start, before the beginning of time. No point of reference, you spoke to the dark and fleshed out the wonder of As you speak, a hundred billion galaxies are born in your vapor of your breath, a planet born. If the stars were made to worship, so will I. Can see your heart in everything you've made. Every burning star's a signal fire 